0: Oh, uh, what's up, guys? And so uh, welcome back to the uh, Bowman Legacies podcast. We're so happy to have you on. Um, this is actually a podcast in the making. Um, uh, we tried it once before, and um, just sound qualities and technology being what it was. But we had a great conversation. Wish you guys were there. Uh, and here we are with, I am with Herb Sargent, a friend of mine, someone I really appreciate. Um and phenomenal business owner who's really got his head wrapped around organizational culture. And so, Herb, welcome to the Bowman Legacies podcast.
1: Hey, thank you, Michael. I think uh, when we first talked, we were trying to decide if we we're going to have a beer or have a podcast. And so I think what we ought to do is have a beer and have a podcast. School. <laughs> so so that's that's our first lesson. It always doesn't have to be one or the other. It doesn't have to be safety or efficiency. It can be safety and efficiency. It doesn't have to be direct conversations with your wife or love. It can be direct conversations with your wife and
0: love, right? Absolutely.
1: Love so it. get rid of this thing that's get rid of the ore. Let's stop with this or thing.
0: Yeah. Let's. and I man, that is huge though. I mean, if you really think about that, how often in your life you lived in the or.
1: Yeah. It's all, I mean, I can, I can think about. It, it just happens all the time. And, uh, you know, in business, especially, you know, oh, yeah. it, it, it manifests itself in so many ways, you know, and, and it's just, to me, it's so important to, to embrace the idea that we can have both.
0: Yeah. Living in the aura. I mean, I mean, so often, I think that we take for granted that there is a plan B, It doesn't have to be. I mean, a plan C. There doesn't have to be an A. But there doesn't have to be a B. And so often in life, we push forward because we really feel like it has to be one or the other. I'm I'm working with you know a client right now that has that issue, and what they're dealing with. You know, it just seems like is it going to be? Are we going to be production, 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 or are we going to have a good culture? And I'm like, well, you can have both. (laughs) Exactly.
1: That's the whole point. You can have a great work atmosphere, mm-hmm. and get a lot done. Be very efficient. Be very safe. Have a great work atmosphere. And we were just talking on our on our internal podcast yesterday. We had uh one of the young guys that came through our academy, and he said, "Hey, look, I I don't care what I do. It might be the worst day of you know the actual physical thing that I'm doing. But at the end of the day, I got a grin on my face. That I and know. that's." That just, you know, that's the difference. You can have fun at work and work hard.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And, and it's not, am I going to work hard or am I going to have a good family life? I'm going to work hard and I'm going to have a good family life. Because if you bring some of these values with you that you establish at work, that you make a difference in other people at work, mm-hmm. make a difference for other people at work. Mm-hmm. And if you keep that mindset when you go home I'm going to make a difference for these people that I live with. It's, it's the and I'm going to make a difference at work and I'm going to make a difference at home. And that that's, to me, that's work-life balance.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, man, that's so good. That's so good. For years when I was counseling, I I had a couple come in that they were having a hard time with their teenage daughter and the dad just did nothing but point out all the things. And it was either you did this or I'll do this. You do this or I'll do this. And it was never, I'm going to love you anyway, no matter what you do. And I'm there to support you no matter what. And he could not wrap his brain around getting over that it hadn't be one or the other. She's got to follow the rules or I'm not going to be there for her. And it was like, no, dude, you got to be there for her and, you know, get her to, to adhere to the rules. And she just feels like you're not there for her. And I think a lot of organizations We'll talk and they'll boast about their culture. They'll talk about work-life balance. They'll talk about all these things, but they're also living in the or. And what happens is when when, when people start coming on and realizing at the end of the day, you're really not here for me. I'm just here for you that they don't leave, like your employee, they don't leave at the end of the day with a smile on their face. All they feel is compiled on more problem after problem after problem, and they feel like they're running a race that they're never seeing the finish line.
1: Yeah, to be clear, you know, everybody at our work, every position isn't, you know, they don't punch out at the end of the day with a smile on their face or a grin or whatever. I mean, to, just to be fair and real, uh, some of our positions uh, carry a lot more stress than others, you know, and superintendents carry a huge load. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it sometimes, and I know I've gone at the end of the day, I've been like, man, I'm, I'm going to search out the first bridge abutment and, and find a way to get this truck into it, you know. so. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's, it's not all that way every day, but you know, if, if, if every day, if you approach it, like I, I really hope I can bring value to the people I work with,
0: it just puts you in such a different place. I think it puts your mindset in a different place. It's like when you realize that, Hey man, I'm here to serve you. I, I remember when I first got into, uh, construction when I was young and I realized people really get hurt in this industry. And then when you realize that oh my gosh, it's kind of up to me to help other people to be safe. And then when you get in the mining industry, well, I mean, that just compounds a lot of times because you you there's a lot more extremes, you know, going on. And I was around blasting all the time and active ledges and and uns consolidated ground and having to harness up all the time. And it was just every day. My harness came out a lot of the time. And so when you live around that world and then you open up your mind that, hey, the more successful I'm going to be is the more I look out for my fellow workers and myself. And they look out for me, man. It it drives a really tight knit family orientation to you and to what you're doing daily. So it well, makes safety, partnerships easier. Safety's in the heart. I, th- I
1: think that's where it needs to be. If, yeah. if, if you're dealing with safety on a job site um, and it's not coming from the heart, it's not going to be what it needs to be. But if everybody approaches it with, you know, in their heart, I really don't want to see my coworker injured. What I really wanted to see is him to go home better than he came to work this morning. It it just puts a different spin on things.
0: It really does. You know, we would go to different mind sites all the time. So I'm being in hundreds of mind sites and every one of them had a different vibe because they had a different leader. And I'll, I'll never forget this one that we called Charlestown was on the Ohio river at the time was owned by Mulzers Um, probably still on the sign, I guess. I don't know. But, uh, old, another company called old castle bought them out, but they had these two guys there that were leading the group. And it just always felt like when you were in there, everybody just, it felt like they were a part of something. You know, you always felt like that they were pretty tight knit and they didn't argue a whole lot. Now, Gus and Bimps, who were the two super two characters, like you wouldn't believe, man, just right out of it. Great spot.
1: names, Gus and Bimps.
0: Gus and Bimps. I know it's like a classic story, but Gus and Bimps, they would bicker back and forth, but really you knew that they had each other's backs. And when you'd see them at a conference, those two guys were always hanging out together. And yeah. um, after, you know, they didn't have to, they could have went anywhere in the conference they wanted to, um, but they would always be hanging out together. And I loved when, And Charlestown was several hours away from my home. So that means I'm not getting home till nine, 10 o'clock every night that I am working at Charlestown. But if I was told I'm drilling at Charlestown, I was like, yes.
1: Just because you get to work with Gus and Bimps.
0: I get to work with Gus and Bimps, and they're gonna look out for me. They're gonna check on me. They're gonna make sure that I'm okay. If I'm working late, they're gonna make sure that I've got a baby. We call them babysitters oh, I've got somebody that's going to be there and I've got a key to the gate. And you know what I mean? You just knew that you were being taken care of there. And, um, but we were still doing the same dirty, hard job.
1: Yeah, yeah. So uh, you call them babysitters. I call them adult supervision. Again. And and so our board of directors is made up of of me and three either current or former CFOs. So it's me against bean counters. Yeah, but they joke that it takes. They joke that it takes three CFOs to keep me straight. And yeah. I will admit, I I can consume some adult supervision like nobody else. I mean, some of these wild ass ideas I come up with. Oh yeah, you know, need to need to be born through uh, some kind of a financial lens.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. And there needs to be practicality to it. But at the same time, if there wasn't a PT Barnum there would never been the circus. So. No, that's true. <laughs> I probably would have displaced him. Just yeah. just on
1: just on the mistakes I made. It's
0: okay. <laughs> yeah, you got to have P.T. Barnum, man. You don't have a circus, baby. Uh, you know, I, I want to talk to you, too, about something that, you know, I think that you've been on a ton of podcasts, by the way. For those of you guys who are listening, you know, Herb's just no stranger to being on pod, podcasts. He's been on the Conag podcast. Uh, that will be coming out soon. He's been on uh, Aaron a Build Wit podcast several times. Um, and I Dirt think, Talk. What's that? Dirt Talk. Dirt Talk. Yes, absolutely. Dirt Talk. And, and, uh, but, and we talk about Sergeant Corp in a lot of ways. We've talked about, you know, I've heard all the podcasts. I've heard all the things. But one of the things that we really haven't seen a lot of focuses on is, you know, when you were building this, Back in the day, culture wasn't a buzzword, right? Right. And organizations right now are desperately digging at this culture, culture, culture. Most of them don't even know what culture means. They absolutely don't have a grasp on it. And they feel, and and they'll boast about having a good culture. And then there's a quarter of their people or three quarters of their people that says their culture sucks. And uh, there's this major upheaval, but When you started Sergeant Corp, that wasn't on your radar, that wasn't a buzzword, you just did it. You created something that has a good culture, where guys at the end of the day, yes, of course, it's not all unicorns and rainbows, we still have to work hard and do the job, but they know they're being taken care of. They know that you have their backs in the field. They know that you've done whatever they're doing, which is a good feeling when your president has done what you're doing. because that is he, true, yes. Yeah, cuz when he's bringing new SOPs or new ideas, you can't sit there and go, well, he wouldn't do that because you know, hey, he's been in the seat too. He knows what it takes to get this done. So for you, when you started that mindset, what was it for you? What did you call it? What was the vision to be able to get guys to a place where they'd want to be on an internal podcast and and they would want to say things. So I've interviewed a lot of your guys and a lot of your guys just boast about the biggest number one thing I hear is I feel like I'm a part of something bigger and I feel like they've got my back. They really do care about me here.
1: Well, uh, that's a, that's a big question. And, and I, I have to be, uh, really honest that, that I inherited a good part of this culture. Mm. Uh, you know, my, my dad, my granddad that, that worked in this business for, for decades and decades before it was sold, uh, really had a, a culture that was established. Um, uh, they knew the people knew that uh whatever our family told them, my dad, my my uncle, my my granddad, whatever they told them, they could take it to the bank. And and that's that's really a, a big deal for people to be able to say, you know, I can trust them. So uh, you know that I inherited that and we when I bought that company back, my family business back, which was sold in 1988, I bought it in 2005. That had eroded some, and uh, but but they just needed some investment in the in the company and the people. So so we came in the first thing, we, and we like, we went like here's some new equipment, and everybody was wow that's cool. Uh, but then we also said if we do what we think we're going to do, we're going to make this much money, if we make that much money X. Uh, X times 0.5 is gonna to go to the state and federal government. X times 0.25 is gonna go back into equipment. And we gotta keep some money in the company, but X times say 0.1, 10% of the profit, we'll share with you. And so we started doing that. And it, it showed uh, that we were invested in them mm-hmm. and they're invested in us. And then another really it seems like a trifling thing now, but going back to, that, I can't remember what year it was, 2008 and gas prices really spiked and oh yeah and we felt like you know we've always felt like you cannot we cannot ask our people to take money out of their pocket to work for us so and it was getting to that point so we said to everyone we were going to add whatever it was eight cents a mile 12 cents a mile to uh to your travel pay and if when gas drops back below 350 we're going to take it back, and I was very nervous that when we did that, that when we took it back, uh, there was going to be a problem. And it, it went that way for I don't know six, eight, ten months. It was very high, up over four dollars, and then it went back down below three fifty. And we we cut it back out, and we never heard it pee. so a peep. So a big piece of it is just communicating and being intentional about communicating both sides of it. And you know what? Somebody said, "Well, what if it goes down to 250? And I said, "That's your money, you know." And now it has, right? It's gone down to two dollars and change, and and they're they're all seeing not a windfall, but they're all seeing more money in their paychecks because of that. So now, you know, several years ago, we turned the company into employee stock ownership plan, and that's really helped a lot, also. But then, really, really. Uh, what's really helped is the last five years or so we've really taken on investing in our people in a huge way, and I think they can see that. I know they can see that, and I think that piece of it is what's really, really helping the culture, really getting people like you said, you know, that they're going to give me opportunities. They're going to help me find a way to be a better construction worker. be a better human
0: you know there's some vision casting things that i know that you've shared with me before and uh, just you know there's got to be some young business owner right now that's listening to this today and is going to go man right now i'm just trying to pay the bills you know just right now i'm just trying to keep my guys working i mean they, they love their people they love their workers whether it's you know, union painters or, or, or construction workers or miners, they're just like, I'm just trying to keep the lights on here, trying to keep these guys fed. And there isn't a lot of pouring back in to teaching them how to form their craft and form themselves as human beings, like what you're doing. And so, I mean, what would you say to that guy who's just like, man, I would love to do this stuff. I would love to build my foreman and my PMs and, and build them personally and professionally. And I would love to do this and do that. How do I do it when I'm trying to keep the lights on? First of
1: all, it doesn't have to be expensive. So what, what we're doing is not hugely expensive. We finished off a basement one of our buildings and I took uh, one of our very good operations managers and I said to him, Kevin, I need you to do this job. I need you to advance our workforce. And if you take this job on in 20 years, when you're retired and gone, these people are going to make a bronze statue out of you, not me, because he's the one that's, and I needed his teaching capability, and I needed his uh, his work ethic, and I need his fingerprints on all these people. So it's not real expensive. In a smaller company, it makes it more expensive, right? But it, it doesn't have to be that way. You can just take rain days. You can say, all right, it's a rain day. Let's, let's have Six or eight or ten lessons on the shelf, ready to talk about when a rain day comes. And instead of everybody going to the bar and starting at eleven o'clock, you know, you spend some time training and and communicate to everybody that we want to train you, and we're gonna we're gonna try to do more to make you better so that you can earn more, so that you know you can make a bigger difference in the people around. I think we I think we put a lot of mystery into training and development training and development i agree and it's not mysterious it's really simple it's just taking somebody that knows and telling it somebody that doesn't
0: that's powerful dude and that's it's really powerful And it's a lot of hard for a lot of places because i know for a fact that there are a lot of companies that work on this uh this mentality of high ratios of debt having to feed the monster and they don't have a lot of times to slow down or just stop. And just, like you said, take someone who knows and teach someone who doesn't and, and, and they get their, their minds. So wrapped around so many different things. They have so many irons in the fire. They forget that, Hey, we're doing more here than X, Y, and Z. We're actually trying to lead people. And um, that's all right. choice. So for you, I mean, what what was it in you that made that choice? Yeah, you inherited some of that culture, but easily you could have said, look, dude, I just want to make money here. You know, I don't have time for this. Some will, some will. So, well, who's next? Get them in, get them out. If it works out, great. If it doesn't, it doesn't. So
1: what made me do it is yeah. I, I learned some hard lessons. I learned some hard lessons, uh, and I'll explain it this way. When we bought my my family's company, that company was about six times bigger than our company. So I had to really leverage up uh, and borrow a lot of money to make that purchase. So the the, the next five years after that was really like survival. Yeah. and But it was survival without a ton of pressure because the market was pretty decent. Uh, but then the five years after that, we're in the Great Recession. Mm-hmm. And, and then it's survival in a different way. And mm-hmm. it's survival like survival island. And, mm-hmm. and we've got to cut costs. We've got to do this. And so for about five years, we we did not do a lot of development. We did not do a lot of, uh, you know, recruiting people. And to put it in like a football team's terms, I stayed I, I stayed absent from the draft for about five years. And if you take any football team and, and tell them to stay away from the draft for five years, they might be good in the sixth year still. Yeah. But three, four years after that, when they don't have any fresh new talent coming in, it's going to be tough. And Frankly, that's where we were in 16, 17, 18. We got more work than we could do. Our people weren't developed enough. We hadn't had a pipeline coming in uh, until we started this this academy in 2016. But they were still too young. I had triple A players playing at the big leagues,
0: mm-hmm. you know.
1: Yeah. And and they were getting they were getting thrown the fat curveball and they're swinging and missing a lot. And that's not it's not saying anything bad about those guys if they're listening. Those guys are great people, but we just, we just put them in the wrong place. And so I, I just decided, you know, we're burning people out by doing that. We're, we're making them feel like, uh, like they're less than they really are because the failure rate and what they're trying to do is so high the, re- the rework is so high. We've got to address this and we've got to do it with training and, that training, I, I really think, is what's been driving the culture. Communication has really stepped up lately, too. Yeah. You know, Through the pandemic, we've had to find new ways to communicate with our folks. And, mm-hmm. and one of those ways has been with an internal podcast, as you know. And it's it's been a, a really good way to communicate with them. But we've done other things, too. We've done you know, monthly safety stand-downs that we never did before. We're, we're doing a lot of things we didn't do before. And, while we can't be face to face with them that much we're trying to uh, I guess one, one person called it on the podcast he said it's like herb's riding in the truck with me and you know I never looked at it that way I didn't say that uh, but but we are talking to them in real terms we're trying to tell them what's really going on we're trying to tell them what the real challenges are and we're trying to to the best we can tell them what the way out is and the way out is together that's the only way out
0: yeah that's beautiful too cuz it's not you know i've been part of organizations and seen organizations kind of have that cultic view you know we do it better than everybody else and um you know somebody leaves the organization and goes on to something to improve themselves you don't talk to that guy anymore you know what i mean and oh look he made a mistake and and there's never really this honest kind of viewing yourself as you really are in the mirror. You know, and um for you guys it's different in that, you know, here you are touching the guys right where they are. You're you're talking to them uh very plainly, you're admitting your faults and moving forward. You're and, and you're communicating well. And these things right here are so powerful, just like a marriage. You know, so often those a council people, marriages would fall apart just merely because of communication. You know, you'd sit there and sit with one person. They would talk about how madly in love they were with the other person, but they're not, you know, something's not jiving. And then you talk to the other person and say, well, I'm so madly in love with this person, but, you know, X and Y and, e and Z is not jiving and they want to leave me. And it's just like, no, neither one of you want to leave. Did you know that? You know, I've talked to both of you separately. Neither one of you want to leave. You're just miscommunicating. And this marriage is going getting very rocky. And what you have to do is stop life sometimes and really invest. And, and that is so hard for business owners because when we're trying so hard to keep running, keep gunning and things are bad, the temptation is just to push through the bag, just push through it. It's not that you're ignoring it or being irresponsible. You're just, do, you're trying so hard just to push through.
1: Well, it's, you know, in our past five years, <clears throat> with Kevin, our our former operations manager. I mean, one of the most capable dirt guys I ever worked with. And it would be easy when we get busy to say, hey, Kevin, you know what? This workforce advancement thing doesn't really pay the bills. So why don't you go run a job for us or run this small region for us? And I I got to admit, I've been tempted, but I said, "I'm I'm not gonna move on this. We're gonna stay here. We're going to keep this. But because if we did do that, what the people would have said, our folks would have said, hmm, guess they're not really that serious about that. Mm-hmm. You know, they're only serious about that when it's convenient. And so we've just said, we're going to, we're, we're, not, we're not going to just keep it this way. We actually added another person, the superintendent, to Kevin. So we've got two guys going in the field uh, about, I'd say, 40 weeks a year. And they'll spend two or three days with a young foreman and then move on two or three days with another young foreman. And you just can't replace that kind of mentorship. In addition to that, we're trying to match these young guys up with people on the jobs full time that will mentor them. So we're really trying to be much, much more intentional about about mentorship and showing them the path forward. And then I guess the finally thing about that is. If we've got say a laborer that has the has the smarts to be a foreman and the drive, we're not going to we're not going to train him just to be a foreman. We're working on trying to train him to be the next level above the foreman, mm. so that when he gets to be a foreman, he's already got a little bit of that extra. So yeah. we're we're working on that. We're not where we want to be on that yet, but we're working on that so that uh, so that we're. We're, we're trying to train them north of the next station.
0: Always. That's beautiful. I think too, it's just, you know, uh, companies are very much looking for, uh, can you do the hard skills, but they're not looking at leadership. And they're not looking at those soft skills. Whereas you guys approach this and go, no, this guy just wasn't just a good dirt guy. He was also a good leader. He was beloved of his people. He was fair. And he's going to go teach those soft skills. So I'm going to teach you. Yes. All right. You know, your berms aren't high enough or, hey, this is how you can better work in a cut or this is how you can do this. You can do that. But also teaching, hey, look, this is how you lead your people. This is how you move forward. This is the balance between accountability and loving on somebody. And those things are so important for the longevity and good, solid cultural things. I mean, what young man really doesn't need somebody to come along and mentor them? I don't know about. you. Absolutely. I didn't have that. I didn't have that growing up. And honestly, every place I ever worked, I just had a new dad, in my opinion. And the reason why I progressed forward is only I looked back because I was trying to please that guy. And what they didn't realize was they had the opportunity to really mentor somebody that would have buried a body in their backyard for them.
1: <laughs> right. And and they had an opportunity to, to I mean, we, we talk, you and I have talked a lot about canvases in the past, and they had an opportunity, and and I've got an opportunity to to make some brush strokes on canvases. If all these individuals are canvases, I've got an opportunity to, to make sure even if I do it directly, that's one thing. Or if I can have other people make those brush strokes yeah. so that so that when they get, you know, part way through their career, they've got a pretty vivid picture of who they are as a person. Mm-hmm. And and those soft skills are a big piece of that. So, you know, some of these guys are gonna are going to put brush strokes, they're gonna be kind of grayscales, right? And some are going to be kind of sharp. Some are going to be really black or really white. And then some guys are going to come in and throw some chartreuse in there and brighten the thing up. And, you know, the next thing you know, they got a, they got a picture of of themselves and, and, uh, they're all different. Every single one of them is different, but, uh, you know, with a
0: lot of the, a lot of the same colors. That's so beautiful. That's it's a beautiful, it's a very holistic approach to leadership and doing business. And I think it's something that. I think, especially in American markets, we're kind of struggling with right now. and We're trying to find that pace. There's a lot of really great companies out there right now. that are very vocal about their culture, very vocal about what they're doing. And they're, they're kind of wrestling back and forth with this because some of them are very young. But you're seeing them making their way more and more. And I would love to see these organizations kind of share more of that so it can get out that, hey, you're going to fail, you're going to fall short but it's that continuance of, of thinking about, Hey, this is a masterpiece, but we're all doing it together. And we have to invest in those that are the lower level employees. I, I can't, I use quotes for those. Of you yeah. Listening. Right. Yeah. We're all in this. together. If It wasn't for the center, the quarterback would get creamed. You know what I mean? And so, right. um, you know, we're all in this together, but. Um, I, I think that the thing that you've built with such intentionality, it's hard to imagine that this just can't be replicated in other places. And so with people who are struggling right now with their, their personal lives, or they're running their business or their families and trying to find that balance and culture, investing in their people, and they're just constantly frustrated and falling short, what would you say to that person who's like, Look, man, I'm. I get what you're saying, but it's not. This is not working for me. I want to do this, but I'm frustrated, uh, and and I'm about to give up.
1: I would say make it as simple as you can make it. I mean, it it, just just a conversation with a couple employees. All right, I want to make a difference to you. How can I make a difference? I you know I can't spend ten thousand dollars a month on this. How can I make a difference for you? And just have a few really. uh, really candid conversations with people. And you, you have to be careful because sometimes when you ask somebody that, uh, they perceive a promise coming. And so you, you have to be prepared to, to follow up. Uh, and if you ask, if you, go, if you go and ask these questions and then you don't do anything, you lose credibility. So yeah. you're better off not even ask these questions. But I would say just approach, you know, keep it small, keep it simple. Keep it inexpensive. That just just the heart that you put into it doesn't cost anything,
0: yeah.
1: and it'll it'll yield results on the other side.
0: Yeah, I uh, had a client once that. Uh, so when I was a safety guy, one of the things I would do is write personal handwritten notes. Sometimes, if if I could, my boss would allow me. I'd put a fifty dollar uh, Walmart gift card. Send it to our blue-collar people, send it to our guys in the field, especially if I saw them doing something safe. So if I saw them go out of their way, and as a safety guy, sometimes you gotta be sneaky. You know, you gotta show up to the site and kind of watch for when, when people don't know you're watching and caught this guy. And I'll never forget this, man. His name is Brandon. And uh, both of his brothers actually worked at the company as well. And if you line them up in a row, you would have no idea these guys were related, related. They were totally different in the way they looked and in their mentalities. But so I sent this to Brian uh, Brandon. And I forgot about it. I didn't think anything about it. Signed it, told him, thank you, you know, for going that extra mile. I didn't think anything about it. And he called me and he's like, Hey dude, I I, re- I really need to talk to you. Do you got time? And I was like, Oh man, something must be wrong. I said, yeah, sure. Absolutely. And he says, he goes, I got your note, man. I'm like, Oh, I thought I made him mad. And I was like, yeah, um, okay. And he goes, I, I really don't know what to say. I mean, it wasn't nothing. You know, it was a handwritten yeah. note. And he's making a big deal. He goes, I really, he goes, that's never happened to me before in my life. He says, it's never happened. He goes, "No, nobody, none of my supervisors ever did anything like that. He goes, man, I got kind of choked up. And he said, I, I just want to say that I really go out of my way to do things safe. And as drillers, we were all by ourselves all the time, man. And so, you know, you have to make those choices because you're by yourself. No one's going to make them for you. And so he's like, I really pride myself on my safety no one's ever said anything about it except for you and so now when i have clients i'm like when's the last time you wrote a handwritten letter it's not that you've got to spend 10 million dollars on 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 x y and z to have a good culture when's the last time you shook somebody's hand when's the last time you actually listened and talked to them and asked them how their day was
1: one of the most powerful experiences that i've had in the last year it was. I think we we'd done maybe one or two podcasts started last spring. I had to find a way to communicate because people don't read emails, they don't open their mail, and I had to find a way to communicate. And we text this podcast a link to them directly, so it's on their phone. They got no excuse for not listening. And I found out, you know, that out of 375 people, about 325 listened. Wow! So so I I went down to a job. And uh, it was early COVID days, you know, but everybody was freaked out. It was, you know, Mm -hmm. and and this is in Portland. And we had some guys working on a street in downtown Portland, Maine, which is in Maine, the kind of the epicenter of COVID. And I just got them in a circle and I said, listen, at this time when you've got every excuse not to come to work with, you know, $600 additional this and that, $1,200 this and extra unemployment, I want to, I want to thank you guys for coming to work And one of the one of the excavator operators, Jay Wilson said, herb, I'm glad to be working. I'm thankful to be working And so the next week we recorded our podcast and we have a little section in our podcast where we do shout outs so an employee can do a shout out for another employee that helped him And so I did a shout out for Jay. I oh. said I want to thank I want to thank Jay for his leadership. We're in a circle. He didn't know that was leadership. It didn't cross his mind that he was being a leader, Yeah, but that was leadership. And uh, a few days later, uh, we put it out on Thursday and on Sunday, uh, he sat on his bed with his daughter and his wife. They decided to listen to the podcast. I guess that's what they do. He's got a five-year-old daughter. And uh, I mentioned him and his daughter went, hey, daddy, was that you? <laughs> and he said, I, I almost started crying. And he said, I've worked all over the world. I just am so glad that I found Sergeant. And that was one of the most powerful, with well, the simplest thing, yeah. right? Just like your card, it's the simplest thing. It's even simpler to just say that in three or four seconds than it is to write a card. But those folks knowing that we appreciate what they're doing and what they're going through, uh, it just means the world to them.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's powerful. I got, you know, got a little choked up myself. And- uh, I think that's a very powerful story. And I think it shows how much that you've chosen to, to be deliberate and care. I'll never forget being at a job site one time and kid says, uh, he's <laughs> I'm with this guy, this young man, and he says, Hey, who the hell is that guy? <laughs> and I go, What guy? He goes, Who the hell is that guy? He's who's Mr. Shiny Shoes over there? I was like That's your boss. And he said, Oh, it is? That's it, that's him. I said, yeah, and he's like, oh, yeah, I kind of heard about him, but I've never seen. He didn't even know what he looked like. Yeah, well, you know, to be
1: fair, I I don't know all my people. I some of them would know if I I could probably be undercover CEO with with fifty people in our company. Yeah, Um, and also, to be fair to the folks that run this company with me, this isn't just her. No, this is. I'm. I'm so incredibly thankful to have the people that I've got, our CFO, Tasha Gardner, our COO, Eric Ritchie, our operations managers. I mean, we're just all pulling on the same rope and everybody knows we're in it for them. I mean, they just know we're looking out for them. And I'm just so thankful to have a group that's, that's helping me run the company. When I say helping, they're really running it and I'm helping them in a way, but, um, just, uh, just everybody's on point.
0: you know when you and everybody knows it. yeah, when you are in that situation and and you're leading a team, I mean you've got three hundred some odd employees, how do you stay connected to your inner circle when those people are all doing their things too? I mean, they're like satellites. you know, everybody's got their own thing that they're over. How do you keep your connectivity on that scale? I mean, obviously, the podcast is really cool. And great for those outreach,ing because you guys cover such a large area. But and you've got people in that hub that you know. And obviously, you've you've got your regular meetings, but there's still a deeper set of connection as leader, so that they can continue to carry the flag or carry the torch of your ideals and think to themselves, okay, how would Herb want this done, and how can I put my spin on it? So, how do you keep connected to those people and keep them motivated? We we went through a process a couple years ago. And
1: we codified our core purpose and values, and we kind of looked at it like, okay, this company's been around for 95 years, or so. And if you look at what my grandfather started with, which is a two-yard dump truck, and then he bought an old gasoline-powered shovel, um, mm-hmm. you know, and what he built, and, and then you begin to look through, let's say, every decade or every other decade, what he had for tools. And what he was building. And it became, you know, some road work and some airport work. And then it became environmental work. And then the big box stores came and hydraulic excavators came and off road trucks. And then there's GPS enabled equipment and, you know, wind power work. And so every, it's like this doesn't even look like what that did in 1926. Right. The tools are different, uh, you know, the work is different. So what has stayed the same over this 95 years? And that was what we went on a search for. What stayed the same for 95 years that that we can use as a backside? When when we go to to turn the scope and and start to plot the future, what has worked so well in in behind us? And it wasn't a piece of equipment. It wasn't an individual. It It was the values that they had. And that was the search we went on and and we spent months and not because we, not because they were hard to, to recognize, but it was hard, it was hard to, uh, to wordsmith it the right way. Mm. So we spent, we spent a few months when I say months, it was a, a, a meeting two or three hours every three weeks or so for about three or four months. And we came up with our purpose and values. And we're like, that's it. And we try to, uh, Eric, our, our, our chief operating officer, when he has operations meetings, he says, okay, let's, one of you guys talk about something that happened this past week where that purpose and values helped you make a decision. Mm-hmm. And just driving that purpose and values, Every I believe everybody in the company believes those, that's not just something we we, uh, you know, put on a shiny card, and we all carry around and go, "Hey, we want you to live this way." I really believe everybody in the company knows that that that's the way we live, and so I think that cements us. We don't have to meet a hell of a lot because if you just make the decisions and use this purpose and values as a screen to make your decisions, it's pretty easy. Mm.
0: You know, I, I have been kind of brash when it comes to core values and purposes and stuff like that when organizations use them. And this is the very reason that I do that, because I really feel like like here you've got another employee that's saying, Hey, let's let's talk before we start this meeting, let's talk about something you saw that backs up our purposes and our values. And you're constantly using that as a metronome. If not. And you get all your employees together, it just becomes this placebo thing. It kills your culture and it makes people lose trust and, and value in you as a leader. But when you're constantly going, all right, hey, uh, remember, let's look back at our values. Let's look back at our purpose. And that purpose keeps you steered in the right direction. It's like having right. a Mustang, right? Mustang is a beautiful horse in and of itself. They're gorgeous. They can traverse all kinds of adverse ter- terrain and they're awesome to have. But if you have them in your round pen and you try to go in there with a wild mustang, they're not very friendly. And I know that from experience, but when you teach that thing and you guide that thing and have its talents with a bit in its mouth and it understands what the saddle's for, then it's tremendously useful and you can stay on the road. And that's exactly what your purpose is. It's like that bit in your mouth because so often we get distracted and want to do other things and we can go back to that and say, well, this is our purpose. That Really doesn't what you're doing right there doesn't add up to your purpose, and the beautiful thing about sergeant is that means as much to you and your people, your round table, and your even your your boots keep you accountable to those things exactly, and
1: exactly. that's why it's there. And and you know, I talked about the 95 year history and all that stuff, and if you're a surveyor and and you occupy a point and you make a back to uh you know, to, to get a backside to then run a line ahead. If your backside is one foot behind you, you don't have all that much accuracy. It, it really yeah. erodes the accuracy. But if your backside is back there 100 feet, you know, you can get a really good backside and, and flip your scope and go forward with a fair amount of, uh, you can be a little bit more confident in what you're doing. And for us, uh, having that back sight. Was really important to us because we've all we've we're, part of the part of the core purpose is to is to uh, respect the legacy that everybody has built before us. And there's, I mean, there's been thousands and thousands of people that have come before us, and it's just wow we we don't want to we don't want to put this at risk.
0: Yeah, that kind of leaves me a little speechless. <laughs>
1: I think so, I do. but, but that's, you know, when, when one of the first questions you asked me is, you know, how did you establish this? I did. It, it was established long, long ago. And, and I'm the steward of it. Hmm. We all in the company are the stewards of it. And that's what this core purpose and values, that's what we wanted to drive home is that we are the stewards of what everybody did 30, 40 years ago. We've got a, a screen in our office that rotates uh, 10 to 20 year employees 20 to 30 year employees 30 to 40 year employees 40 to 50 year employees 50 to 60 year employees and 60 plus year employees now there's not a lot of the ones that are 60 plus there's a few yeah but a yeah, lot so of folks got them. a lot of folks over 50 you know and a lot of folks over 40 i joined that club a year ago myself um, <laughs> Interesting story. We hired this uh this communications director, Emily, and she changed her profile on LinkedIn to say she worked at Sergeant. So I got a notification that said, Emily joined Sergeant 41 years and six months after you did. <laughs> <laughs> I, I took a screenshot of it and I said, you know, no, no, way to make a feel make a guy feel old like that.
0: <laughs> so yeah, thanks. Oh,
1: but anyways, I got off subject. It's uh
0: it's, it's,
1: it's, it's a legacy that we're, we're really working hard to, to preserve. I don't think we can improve. I mean, maybe we can I don't know. They did such a great job with it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you're just you know? trying to hold it. And that's powerful. And I think yeah. that in, in our, in our culture right now, there's a lot of irreverence for old things. Mm-hmm. It, um... You know, I never forget my my grandfather, Amos, was a very uh, he was uneducated, never graduated high high school and lived in the hills and hollers where we're from. And my family's been in these hollers for over 100 years now. And so back in that day, you know, they I mean, he knew what it was like to have to ride horseback everywhere and and, and not having seen in a car till he was a young adult and and that sort of thing. And he always wore bib overalls. I mean, that man, any picture I've ever seen of my grandpa, he had bib overalls on, but I heard a letter one time and he would say he was the most ignorant man, but he wrote a letter to my father. My father had wrote him a letter and let him know that he had met my mom in Germany while I was in the military. And then he had, he had purpose to marry her. And the letter that my grandpa wrote to him was so eloquent. And so beautiful. That man, though he didn't have a high school education, was not an ignorant man. No. And and you can see how he pressed really hard on every single letter, let alone word. And that he was very intentional about everything that he said. And it gave me such reverence for old things because it was the only letter my grandpa had ever sent to my dad and my dad kept it. And I never forget just having tears in my eyes and not understanding why I was overwhelmed. And we have lost this understanding and reverence for old things. And a lot of new businesses are coming up and saying, we're changing the industry. But here you're telling me, oh, we didn't change anything really. We just backed up. We're just backing up the ethics that this company was born in. And it's it's not about what's doing new and what's doing being innovative. It's sticking to your word. It's having integrity. It's having honor. It isn't about new tech or new apps. It isn't about anything that's fancy or flashy. It's just, no, man, we, we're just, we're sticking to our purpose and and, and we're just being integral.
1: Yeah. And and one of the values though, is, is always hone our craft. And so that, that keeps us accountable to what's coming down the road in terms of work types. In ter- I mean, we've, we've survived over and over and over and over the various types of work changes and, you know, markets totally disappeared and, and new ones came and we, we uh, made the pivot and made it work, but we're not going to ignore technology that honing our craft purpose that says to us, we got to still watch. Yeah. We're never going to rest, ever going to rest. You know, that that's complacency. And that really has no place in our core purpose and values. Mm. Because for me, as we're going through strategic planning right now, uh, just started about a month and a half ago. And this is, I'm, I'm telling our folks, we're not planning. I mean, we're planning specifically for what's going to happen five to 10 years away. But we're doing it with a mindset that we're going to have a 200th birthday. That yeah. This 100th anniversary coming up in five years is just just another mile marker on the highway. Yeah. We're, we're going to be, we're planning this so that we're going to be around in 200 years. And as we go through this succession planning, you know, it, it probably goes to, without saying, if I've got 41 and a half years more than Emily, then I probably don't have a lot of time left. Yeah, Uh, you know, I'm 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 getting there. I'm I'm in my fifties here, north north side of the fifties. But what I want to do is is as we go through the succession process, so many times companies hit kind of a it's like they're driving on square wheels. You know, when they go through the succession and they slow down. And what I want to do is I want to accelerate through this period. I want our people to accelerate, and I want to know when the right time is to get out of the way. They're probably waiting to tell me once they hear this podcast, it's time. But, you know, I want to know when it's time to get out of the way. But I I want that feeling. If you've ever hit a baseball and you hit it right square in the meat part of the bat, and you feel like your bat accelerates through that zone, Hmm. or your club head on a golf club, you know, when you just spank one down the middle and you just feel like wow if i if i could make a template of that swing i would that's what we want to do we want to make a template of this swing accelerate through the zone make a template of this swing so the next time we have to go through succession planning they go holy shit let's let's go study how they did this
0: Hmm. let's boil that down too for your own personal life you know uh, a lot of people right now, I know I've heard a lot of responses from people listening to podcasts or doing it for encouragement. And that's what we want to do at Bowman Legacies. We want to encourage the world. And and that's why the podcast was formed. And we want to bring it to them in a blue collar way, not some high and lofty do this backflip, right. you know, practical, honest ways. It's finding out what works for you individually. You You may have looked at your competition or other people, but you also understood that There's a way we do this that works for us. And there's a real originality that comes from that when you do that in your own personal life, not everything that worked for so-and-so is going to work for you. And you have got to define clear avenues of how you can spank that thing down the middle, like you said, with the golf ball um, and and have a clear view of where you, you want your life to go. Too many people are living their lives unintentionally. Too many people are living their lives in such a way that, you know, they're not making plans and they're not executing plans. And very right. much, just like you run sergeant Corp, you run your own life and you I've known you for a while now. I know how your life is. I know how you communicate with your family. It's all intentional. It's all striving not to just go through the motions, but have a plan because you also know that you might not be a sergeant Corp uh, for the rest of your life, but you're also not going to be on this earth forever. Right. Pouring yourself into your family, and pouring yourself in your loved ones, and pouring yourself into the organization, because this is the kind of legacy you want to leave behind. And in order to do that, you got to be intentional. You got to have a plan. Yeah,
1: and and you know, on that front, on this succession thing, I, I just want to say it again. So thankful for for the people in the company that that we all rely on each other. So thankful for the skill for for the uh, the work ethic and for the integrity that's there, and that I know that everybody wants to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I really believe I could I could retire tomorrow and would be just fine. I really believe that. Might be better. And that's but but that's my job.
0: Yeah, it is you know,
1: I, I, I would certainly miss the people. And I'm not ready to retire. Uh, so i got to stop talking like that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you're going to have, gonna have a, a meeting tomorrow. You're going to walk in and everybody's going to be yeah. set in the conference room. We've been waiting for you, Herb. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. It's, it's going to be, you know, they'll all have party hats on a big cake, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's this? Oh, it's your retirement party. It's Welcome, like, Herb. Oh. surprise. Yeah. Here's a gold watch.
0: I think I, um, Knew a man that's a local legend here in, in my area who buys and sells equipment and all kinds of things. The guy is wild, but he's very elderly now, and he refuses to allow his son to do anything. His son's very dynamic, college educated, good, solid, humble guy, and his his father was like, "This place will fall apart without me." And you know, uh, living your life through that mentality—it's an ego driven life. And it's so shallow. And the only thing that you're leaving behind is ashes and hurt feelings, you know, bridges. And here, this guy has a son who could take over his organization tomorrow, has all the dynamic to build a phenomenal team and put them on an international map. But instead, it's just not what this guy wants. He wants it to be about him. He says all that. My name's on that sign out there, not your son. Always remember that. And Finally, one day he, he he lost his son. You know, he lost him to the in the business and he has no one now. And every day I see just a little bit less equipment there. I see the bu- business folding up a little bit more and more and more because it's more about him than it is everybody else. And that idea, that servanthood of being able to say, you know what, this isn't about me. This is about the collective. And I want to leave in such a way that there's no blip. There's no square right. wheels. And that's that's powerful, and it's it's a hard place I think for a lot of people to get to, because people who usually jump into leadership and building a business, there's a little ego there.
1: Yeah, I I, I know a guy uh, that's been a big, pretty big force in my life. He's 90 years old now, uh, and his son is working for him. His son is almost 60, but he's still the president. Yeah, and I just you know I I don't get it. I I don't. I don't need that. I mean, I, I got, I got so many things that make me happy. You know, I've had things in my life that, that, that were troublesome, but yeah, uh, you know, I have so many things that make me happy. And and uh, every morning, you know, a few of us get together and pray and and uh, reach out to God and ask Him for some for some wisdom and and to keep our folks safe. And you know, that's that's a good way to start the day.
0: Yeah. I think that's a beautiful place to kind of close because I think this one's chock full. You and I could talk for hours about this stuff. One of the things I do want to eventually talk to you about is recruiting and retention retention. I think you've done a phenomenal job in recruiting, uh, especially man on that executive level. And I've talked to everybody. I've never talked personally with Tosh, but uh, we have online and stuff. Sometimes she's a savage and this she's such Mm -hmm. a, and, and you, I would love because I think there's a lot of business owners that would like to hear kind of how you recruit talent and obviously the culture is how you keep them. But, um, yeah, I, I think that's huge, but Herb, it is always a, a distinct privilege and honor to spend any time with you. Um, I really look up to you. I, I, uh, feel like you've got so much more to share and I look forward to every podcast you're on, let alone ours. And I just want to thank you so much.
1: Well, if I'd known you wanted more, I'd have brought two beers up, but I'm
0: all out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this thing's no. water, actually, believe it or not. So, you yeah. know, like just ham- hammering it back. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, I, I appreciate
1: that. And I appreciate the work you're doing out there, too, Michael. Just uh, a lot. You, know, you and I have talked a few times, and I appreciate all the input you've had uh, with me. And, and I know uh, I know you're doing a lot of great things out there. and You're trying to find a way to do more. Yep. I know you will. And, uh, you know, God bless the, the folks you work with and you. And, uh, you know, it's just make them better one, one CEO at a time, right?
0: Yep. One CEO time. Thank you so right, much, I appreciate it. Everybody, thank you for listening to yet another episode of the Bowman Legacies podcast. Do us a favor. If this helped you out in any way and you think this is awesome, and I know you did, Please share it, man. Let's get the word out. Let's start encouraging our blue-collar people and challenging our CEOs to do more, challenging blue-collar people to do more because you have greatness within you. Guys, listen to me. All because you're blue-collar, don't let the world make you think you're lesser than. You're beautiful right where you're at. Don't stay where you're at. Keep growing. Keep moving. Keep forging ahead and keep building a legacy that will far surpass your legend.